Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 683. Science Faction, hominid controversy and increased measles deaths. Hominid controversy? Like, was there some anti-Semitic tweets or exes? Like from a late night hominid, like a late night floresiensis, late night, uh, you know, like, hey, you know who controls the archaeology journals? <laughs> they're, they're just scrawled on the wall of a cave in the Philippines where it says, like, it's really the Jews' fault that I'm saying bad things about them. Wow, this is this predates Christianity by so much. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-Semitism runs deep. It goes back a long way. The concept of monotheism goes back. That's the news article. Concept of monotheism goes back way further than we thought. Uh, And speaking of the concept of monotheism of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. And with me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. And, um... I, I don't know that monotheism was, was such a step forward. Um, I like I like variety. I like freedom of choice. I'm an American. Yeah. I like choice. I like freedom. And I don't like just one god to go to everything. Uh, I, I like if, if I'm going through a drought, I like... I wouldn't want to worship the god of, uh, of who, who's not doing me poorly. I uh, like uh, the god of harvest. I would worship the god of war and conquest and then earn yeah. earn my family's food. I'm a Bacchus fan myself. I mean, you know, I want to have some big old parties, you know, filled with wine and sex and stuff. Like, I was thinking about that. I remember learning about the pantheon of gods of different cultures and stuff. And to learn that they had a god. First of all, you get into all the stuff that, like, Zeus, who's the big bad boy, does. And he does a lot of, like, crazy shit. He fucks everything. does it. It's like a bull and everything else. He's an early pioneer in the field of adultery. Uh, yes. He was oh, a yeah. figure. Like, yeah. If you're thinking it like like uh, you, Will Chamberlain, uh, some guy named Garcia in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes, and Zeus. Yeah, I, uh, I when I learned that they had a god called Bacchus, and to celebrate him, they would you know have parties of you know drinking wine and having orgies. I was like, wait, so like technically that was church, right? Like that's like, that's <laughs> that is a version of church for them, and like. God damn, did we go down the wrong path? Yeah, some assholes, like, more shame. You know what? People need to feel bad about themselves. Hey, stop yeah. coming. Stop coming. In fact, feel bad about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know it can't all be Bacchus parties, but, like, we could have a few. Like, I don't know. Can we replace? We got a lot of holidays that seem kind of repetitive. Can we replace, like, I don't know, Easter Adult Halloween. Yeah. For kids, when you're a kid, and we don't even have to change it up. When you're a kid, it's trick-or-treating. When you're an adult... Yeah. Orgy. Yeah, but you got to be there answering the door and giving out candy as an adult. You don't want to do that with the erection out and stuff. We need it. It's its own day. The night before. It's the night before Halloween. Uh, like you, okay. you you're, you're cummed out. So like midnight. So it's actually like a, like a midnight, you know, you, you, mm. you, everybody comes into work tired and welcomed uh, uh, <laughs> on Halloween day itself uh, because they were out till two in the morning that morning. And if you want to be welcomed, go ahead and check out our Patreon. <laughs> you can search 
Robert Timothy on Patreon. You get four extra science <gasps> articles every single week. We actually we we've gotten more and more uh, excitement over our lightning round that we did. We did two weeks in a row. We did lightning round instead of I call BS, and people were loving that lightning round. No, oh, nobody loves the lightning round. Nobody. Everybody loved the lightning round. I, love- I'm the only one who has a reason to love the lightning round because we're not doing I call BS, and so like I am treated uh, not as a second class citizen, and so uh, the Geneva Convention applies to me when we do the lightning round. Everybody else. No, it was uh, everybody highly loves the lightning round, and if you want to love it, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You get four, at least four, because we do lightning round. It's like seven or eight extra articles. At least four extra science articles every single week helps you sound even smarter when you go to those parties, and you can reference something and uh, that was just published that week, and everybody will turn to you and be like, "How do you know that? What do you read science journals?" And you're like, "No, but I do love dick jokes." You also promised that they would be welcomed. Like that was actually That's how true. you introed the yes. Earth. <laughs> just came back from, just came back from the Patreon work, honey, and boy are my arms tired. <laughs> uh, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Article number one. Homo Naledi controversy. <laughs> Still talking about those anti-Semitic screed on a cave wall in, in Southeast Asia? No, Naledi was Africa. Now, now Homo Naledi is awesome because I'm a, a you know, I'm an archaeologist, but I'm but at, at, at my heart, I love physical anthropology, the study of human evolution. It's what I was been interested in I, literally since I learned about it when I was like seven, you know, and, and it has been something that I've been incredibly interested in and uh, it, it read every single thing that comes out uh, about new hominids, all this kind of stuff. And Naledi was great because it's one of the things whose entire history in terms of you know our discovery and stuff spanned this show you know it was discovered during this show during the the early parts of the show on a live podcast on a live airing we were spelunking in some caves in south africa coming to you live from (laughs) who would have thought we would have made it uh but uh yeah it was discovered then it was published you know during this show we we covered what it was initially published we covered all the interesting discoveries and finds when the dates came back at crazy dates that like nobody would have predicted we covered that we could, so it, it, I kind of do feel like Naledi has grown up with this show it may not be the show's mascot like the dick nose deer the saiga out of Kazakhstan but it it's pretty close if you know what the show's emblem should be a homo Naledi riding a saiga I know, like, I've been on this show for a while, and, and that Naledi, all those Naledi stories don't remember him at all. But if it was ha- but if it was about having sex with a dolphin, a dick-nosed yeah. psycho, there's, there's a there's Double a tri- dick-nosed, Damien. Give it its due. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now, maybe if, like, this this uh, this Naledi was found with its, like, dick in a pie, like American yeah. pie style, then maybe I would remember that. But because it, all it did was just live and die in peace and dignity, I know nothing. No, and you can't make any jokes about sneezing cum. I mean, what, what, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> Nobody gets it. Like, people are like, yeah. Why, does it have a dick nose? No, it doesn't even have a single dick nose. No, it's, you're right. It's, I forced it. This is on me. 
but Naledi is crazy. It's a it's it's this weird mixture of like contradictory things we would not have expected to fi- find. Uh, it is a very recent hominin, three hundred thirty-five to two hundred forty-one thousand years ago, which in terms of hominins is incredibly recent. That is very very close, especially when we find out that it's incredibly small-brained, and I mean very small brain 465 to 610 cubic centimeters for you know comparison human modern homo sapiens is like 1200 to 1300 something uh cubic centimeters and chimps are down at like four to five hundred so this is like at or just slightly above chimp level brains but this is an upright walking hominid like us it's around very recently we had upright walking hominins around uh you know or at least the ancestors of them in australopithecines that were around with brain sizes about this size four million years ago not 250,000 years ago it's it's this weird contradiction it's got this weird mixture of speed of features in it where it's got a skull shape and skull morphology that is like very reminiscent of modern day homo including like where the temporal lobes come in the inside where you can tell what's going on with the brain the brain is small it's tiny but it looks super modern it's got modern frontal lobes and modern temporal lobes and stuff like modern day homo sapiens but they're smaller and and they are the size of what an Australopithecus one should be and it's got these features of the the face and and the head and the skull that look very modern like homo but then parts other parts of the skull like the inner ears that look super primitive like super primitive like gorillas and chimps and paranthropus it's got uh, an upright walking posture but it's got these hands that are still clearly meant for like arboreal climbing and stuff like that it it is such a weird contradiction in terms when we first found it it's known its entire species is known from one case system, the Rising Star Cave system in, in South Africa. So it's known from one place, from a few caves in one cave system. And when we first found it, we're like, oh, clearly this is a new species. Very, very interesting. Weird morphology mix, but very clearly it's going to come out to be a few million years old. And when it came back at 250, everybody was like, what the fuck is going on? Until you were talking about the ears, until you specifically mentioned the ears, I was like, yeah. literally, these could have been just time traveling Floridians. Like if science, like if <laughs> if, if archaeologists two thousand fucking years from now were digging up like Tallahassee, Florida, uh, uh, tell me that they couldn't make the many of the same th- predictions that you. They walked upright, surprisingly, <laughs> and were able to operate jet skis. Uh, their tooth eruption based on the different ages of of individual specimens we have from that cave. And it is, we do have quite a, a good collection of specimens from that cave. The tooth eruption makes it look like they may have delayed childhood and late onset maturation, kind of like modern homo. But then other parts of their skeletal structure looks like they might have more ape-like advance and, and you know, get to sexual maturity rather quickly. It is so weird. And before we even get into what we do know, like all the controversy about the species, let's talk about what we don't know. We don't know where they are on the lineage. They certainly are not on our direct ancestor lineage, but we don't know if they are like some very basal split that split off back in like Australopithecus and then somehow through convergent evolution kind of mimicked a lot of the stuff from Homo and then came out. We don't know if they split off from like Homo erectus back in like 900, which we think is going on with Homo floresiensis and Ludaziensis in Southeast Asia, where they were essentially big or medium-sized brain, large 
tall six foot one hominids, Homo erectus, that were running around there that shrunk when they got on islands and then their brain size shrunk with them, but they kept their tool technology and everything else. We don't know if it's a situation like that or if it's a situation where they split off like from a small bodied earlier species like Homo habilis and then just kind of paralleled us. But either way, they lived all the way up to 250,000 years ago, which is fucking nuts. We don't know if they spanned, you know, all of South Africa or was just localized to this small cave system. That's just where we find them. Uh, We don't know if maybe, and this is one of the theories, they're actually, because of this weird mixture of features, maybe they're actually the product of a more modern homo species, Homo erectus, Homo heidelbergensis, which is the precursor to our own species, mating with like a remnant Australopithecus group or something like that and creating a hybrid species that has these mixtures of different... Like, we don't fucking know. It's crazy. That's a really cool one, one I didn't think about. Uh, but one perhaps you didn't think about. Uh, do remember we, we've, we've talked about on the show, but the, tan, the, the Tanzanian tiger, the Tanzanian tiger, Tasmanian tiger. Sure. Tasmanian tiger. Uh, yeah. How that's actually a marsupial and there's convergent evolution. Yeah. What if uh, Homo nadelli is actually a marsupial that is convergently evolved, uh, uh, convergently evolved to be the primary, <laughs> uh, I guess, the ape. The, the great ape species, the hominid species of the sure. marsupial family. It's the off, well, no, it's the Betamax to our VHS. No marsupials in South Africa. They have different dentitions, so no. Because of apartheid? I get it. <laughs> yes, that's actually what Nelson Mandela was fighting <laughs> yeah, against. They were banished the Rhodesia, under the Rhodesian government. <laughs> Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, was discovered by some cavers in 2013. They took some pictures of it, took it out to some paleoanthropologists, including a fu- somewhat famous one uh, there in South Africa, Lee Berger. Uh, he put together a team that went there. The the cave where it's found is incredibly inaccessible, which is its own thing. Uh, very, very hard to get in. Some of the openings, parts of the openings are like 10 inches at max. And then there are drops of like 30 feet that you have to go down to get into the cave chambers where these bones are. So very interesting, not only in terms of, you know, the kind of Indiana Jones aspect of getting to it and getting a team there and doing all the work down there, but also the fact that uh, how the fuck did these guys get in there? You know, they don't have flashlights and... How are they climbing through here? And and there was talks at marsupials least. Marsupials are very good at compressing their their body. It's something about the pouch. I don't know. Yeah. But I, no, actually, I do remember this story now. I remember it because you you just left out the most interesting part was that they trained a team of gymnasts to be to go in to that cave. No, no. Is that a different one? <laughs> well, they. No, no, you are thinking about the right one. They found like a group of paleoanthropology students who were basically like the gymnasts of their. Yeah, they were they they could squeeze into these areas for the spelunking and stuff. An elite uh, Russian get, team of <laughs> pygmy archaeologists. Yes. And I'm gonna actually I'm gonna get to a funny point of my own kind of ties to this story in a little bit. Very very interesting. There is some very controversial claims made about the particular cave that they found, and not up until recently really made in the scientific literature, they were actually made by Lee Berger in a Netflix documentary called Cave of Bones. And in that, he made the claims that they were burying their dead in these pits deep inside these caves. So climb down, you know, squeeze through these holes, climb down these deep shafts, found their way in somehow in the pitch black dark. Carrying a corpse. Yeah, yeah, carrying, exactly, carrying a corpse. 
dug the holes, buried these things with them. There is claims that they made uh, some incisions and art and markings on the wall. There are claims that they used fire and they have burn marks on the inside of the, the cave. There are claims that there are stone tools in there with them. All this kind of stuff that is a little controversial. And there's a couple of things that are interesting about it. One is he didn't publish this first in peer-reviewed journals. He came out with the Netflix documentary first, which is a little bit weird. What were the journals paying? <laughs> you got a Netflix deal, Bobby. The thing science faction would do for a Netflix deal. Okay, so. Hey, man, you need to criticize Coco Bellin for not publishing in Nature First? What the hell? Exactly. Like, he, he did then publish just recently, and the first formal rebuttal was published by a bunch of paleoanthropologists talking about all the, the, the claims being a little bit too big for the evidence to support. Now, before we get into it, I just want to comment that these people aren't saying that, hey, Lee is lying, he's wrong, he's committing fraud. What they're saying is the evidence is not there to support what the claims that he is making, because he's making really big claims. I had to uh, Google what Coco Melon was, you you fucking dad. That's right. <laughs> you fucking dad. I do not know what Coco Melon is. But a fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm not a dad. But you've turned on Netflix, right? Because it's been in the top 10 in Netflix. It's, it's made the records as being in the top 10 in Netflix every single week for like seven years. I don't cho- I don't choose the kids Netflix, Bobby. I, I, I have the adult Netflix. In fact, like it's Netflix after dark, if we're being honest. <laughs> Uh, it's just Pornhub. I don't even. I don't. I'm not. I don't know why I'm saying Netflix. Yeah, Lisa Ann. She's a star on Netflix. That's, that's Netflix, right? That's. Uh, so they rebutted a lot of the claims about you know is the thing they found in there actually even a stone tool or is it what we would call a geofact, which is something that looks like a stone tool but it's just naturally made. Uh, that there isn't actually fire marks uh, showing you know purposely made fire. There's some charcoal that can get washed into a cave, and a lot of the stuff that is shown as burn marks might be manganese or stuff leaching in through the the rock. They're saying that the burying isn't intentional burying but could be natural deposition, and that the carvings not only could be they could be made by animals but they also could be made could be modern because there's there seems to be evidence that cavers made it into that particular cave in the 1990s without realizing what was going on and maybe move some bones around and stuff like that too so very interesting now a couple of things to consider that consider on this one again they're not saying this isn't true or that he's wrong or something they're just saying that he doesn't have the evidence to support it now i have never been one of these people, when the claims first came out, oh, they're burying the dead in the caves. And there was a similar thing when claims of burying Neanderthals came out, Neanderthals possibly burying their dead. People were like, there's no way, this is a homo sapien activity. And to me, it's like, I don't know, man, fucking dogs bury dead shit. Like, if you, especially if you're in a cave, that thing is dead it smells bad if for no other reason than that. If the, the same thing that applied to I'm going to bury that crap I took is going to apply to that other body. And you just don't want to be there while it's fucking rotting. And so the idea that anything could bury its dead does not shock me. If somebody was like that coyote buried its dead, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like that, that doesn't seem that impressive. That doesn't seem like some kind of cognitive leap that we need to be homo sapiens with big brains to come up with. So that never really was one that irked me the same way it irks other people. I also would point out that these are small creatures. I mean, we're talking like 85 pounds, you know, under five feet tall. So yeah, fitting into this cave system as like big old dudes, difficult for us modern humans. Those things, 
probably not that difficult. And also, again, if you remember what I talked about, about their hands still being kind of designed for climbing trees and stuff, they're going to be able to scramble up and down these areas, these rocky shoots, these er these things, without nearly as much trouble as we are. They're not going to need spelunking equipment because they can climb up trees. They climb right up the side of these rocks and stuff. So also that wasn't as big a deal. We don't know what their eyesight was like, but they also could have had very good night vision or you know be very comfortable doing stuff in the dark. And so maybe they didn't require light or, you know, from fire or something like that. So I think a lot of the controversy about some of this stuff can kind of be pushed into, is it really that impressive? And it's not always, at least to me, it doesn't always seem that impressive. The stuff about, did they have fire? That would be impressive. Were they making stone tools? That would be impressive. Even though we we know from the hands and, and how the, the hands are structured that they did have kind of the right hand construction to be able to make stone tools as opposed to earlier australopithecines who were they were climbing as well and their their hands were too specialized of climbers to kind of hold things and make stone tools the fire thing would be a well, that would be an impressive thing to learn that they had controlled fire that they were using to go into the cave that would be a cognitive leap that you would not expect uh, from a small brain hominin 250,000 years ago so that would be especially one that had marsupial roots as we discussed earlier that's that you right, were that's that right. idea you were really on board with that's right. I don't think there were ever marsupials in uh, South Africa or, uh, you know, carving art on the walls. That would be interesting, too. That would that would be something you, you probably wouldn't expect. That would be surprising. But a lot of this stuff, I think, falls into the category of I don't know if it's that big a deal if they did it or if they didn't. But this this is now playing out because like anything that happens that gets big into the mainstream, he put this video out on Netflix. It became super popular. Then all the paleoanthropologists are like, wait, fuck you, bro. This isn't like settled science and you're presenting it like it is. You're full of shit. And then there's pushback and pushback back and forth. The bottom line is this. Let me tell you as a paleoanthropology nerd, we don't know a ton about this. There's a bunch of stuff that still needs to be figured out. No matter what, it is fucking interesting. It is so Goddamn interesting. It might be one of the most interesting things to happen in the, paleo the field of paleoanthropology in the last 50 years. The Naledi is so cool for so many reasons that are totally undisputed, that nobody disputes the mixture of different stuff going on, the fact that it's in one place, uh, only one place that we know of in this one cave, the fact that, it, you know, maybe it's a hybrid, maybe it's a weird remnant species, whatever it is, it's living way later than we thought small brain hominids like this were living in Africa. It's just super, super cool stuff. Also interesting, my own personal connection to this, and this is something that I only found out uh, like three or four years ago at a conference, which was a couple of people that I went to undergrad with ended up going to grad school with some of the grad students that work with Lee Berger. And when Lee, in 2013, when the discovery was made, he was looking for people to go down in there. And as Damien mentioned, they had to find people who could fit through these narrow little cracks, but that could like haul stuff down and who had archaeological training and human osteology training. And again, because I was a paleoanthropology nerd, I did a lot of human osteology. I did a lot of hominin osteology in, in undergrad. And uh, unbeknownst to me until much, much later when I met some, some of those people back at a conference, uh, I guess when Lee Berger kind of put the call out, hey, I need a bunch of people like skinny people who can squeeze through these areas and and like do all this work. At the time when I was an undergrad, I was also boxing. I was on the boxing team. I was 175 very wiry pounds at six foot one. And uh, your frame, I guess your frame wouldn't allow it, Bobby. You're, you're deluding yourself. You got big bones. You're, 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 it's the same thing that would keep you from being a model. You're too, you're yeah, too well, my, 
my name got put in there and I guess uh, he reached out to me vis-a-vis these individuals who I went to grad school with, but they only knew the only contact they had for me was my, you know, Berkeley email address. So it went to some email I hadn't been able to access, you know, for, for 10 years or something like that. But somewhere in, in a in a Berkeley email server uh, is an email from Lee Berger asking me in 2013 to go down to the, the Cave of Bones site to help uh, to help find this. So I, I could have actually been on the Naledi team, even though by that point I had ga- I had put on a lot more weight and was could would not have fit through any fucking cracks. Uh, somewhere that email exists, apparently. <laughs> Bobby, it's me, Lee Berger from South Africa, <laughs> and uh, d- don't worry, don't need you for that. Just need a uh, an editor. I have a net documentary coming out for Netflix in a few years. Can I ask you, uh, Lee? I didn't realize you were from New Zealand. <laughs> Crikey, is what we say, dear, and he didn't see the Africa. <laughs> Why, when did Lee Berger do a guest spot on Flight of the Concords? <laughs> Charlie's Theron, like South Africa. So go ahead, by the way, I, I haven't even seen Cave of Bones. I didn't want to, I don't want to ruin Naledi because I'm so excited about it already. Watch it on Netflix after dark. It's much better, much more compelling. <laughs> That's a different cave of bones. <laughs> <laughs> the superior one, yes. Yeah. You can watch the yeah. inferior one if you want. I, uh, I highly recommend just to go watch it just so you get an idea of how cool this is. You can see the diagrams of the cave and all this stuff. I'm going to go see it at some point. I'm already jazzed about it. Regardless, when you see it, take some of the bigger claims with skepticism, the ones we talked about, about fire and all that stuff. But understand, regardless, even the most skeptical paleoanthropologists out there have to look at this and be like, this is the one of the most amazing fucking discoveries we have seen in our lifetime. I'm so happy I'm around to be able to see it. It is so fucking cool, and I cannot wait to see what comes out of that cave next. On to article number two. Huge increase in measles deaths. This is the, uh, see, that was the other controversial idea I thought was going to be in Homo Nadelli was like, is one of them an anti-vaxxer? Because that's where I assume all these measles deaths have come from. This is crazy, and I don't know how this has flown under the radar. Damien, measles deaths between 2021 and 2022 increased by 40%. Was it because, like, 2020 there was a pandemic, and so they went really low, and so any increase of of, of really low? (laughs) You're right to bring the pandemic in. It's because the pandemic kept a lot of people, especially in developing nations, from being able to get traditional measles vaccinations because they couldn't go out to those areas. And the measles vaccination rate fell fell below the levels we needed in like the mid 90s, 95 percent or something for herd immunity to work out for something like measles. Now, keep in mind, if you guys don't remember measles, because we don't have it a lot in a lot of the Western (laughs) world, though it apparently is making a huge comeback. Measles is one of the most, if not the most contagious diseases disease we know of. This is one where somebody can be in a supermarket, you know, not an enclosed, super enclosed space. They could be in a supermarket and cough. You can walk through that cough area two hours later and get sick. So like this is beyond COVID, beyond everything we're used to in terms of contagiousness. This is, this is, we are such a shittier generation. The generation that, that defeated, like, like they saw measles, a virus that had like a, like a master level difficulty for stomping it out into society. And yeah. they did it. If, if COVID was as contagious as measles, oh, we'd be society sick. would be on fire right now. It looked like the Terminators have invaded yeah, and and those deaths went up from 95,000 in 2021 to 136,000 in 2022. Big and large disruptive outbreaks 
came in places that were developing nations because of that decline in vaccination. And by the way, we saw a decline in vaccination in the Western world because of a different reason, which was the anti-COVID vax then bled into a more mainstream acceptance of anti-vax views that apply to non-COVID vaccines. For instance, the measles vaccine, which already faced its, you know, RFK assholes who have been trying to get people to not take the MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine for a long time. And so it is causing a problem. And this is a big deal because it's highly contagious, because it's very, very dangerous. It fucking kills people, especially kids. But also, it's a very interesting disease in that even if it doesn't kill you, one of the things it does is basically wipe out your immune system's memory. So even though you survive, one of the, the impacts of measles is you actually lose the immunity that you had to other diseases. So all the immunity you built up to colds and chicken pox and stuff, you can lose that by fucking getting measles. Until you hit your immune system on the head with a coconut again to reverse it. But but you're right. That is, if people don't know about that, you're right. That first measles, you're right. You've lost a ton of information. You don't realize that it's just temporary amnesia. Uh, and we did so well because between 2000 and 2019, the coverage of the first dose, measles uh, the vaccine is a double dose, uh, first dose went from 72% worldwide to 86% worldwide, which is awesome. And that protects about, that protects you just that one dose, about 93% gives you that much protection against measles, which is fucking great. If you get two doses, it gets up to 97%. And that's really, really fucking good. But... Because of the pandemic and stuff, coverage fell down, back down a little bit to 83%. And then in 2021, it dropped to 81%. This is going to continue, likely, based on anti-vax sentiments and a bunch of other stuff. And we are going to start seeing more and more measles outbreaks in Western countries. We're going to see the effects of that being that dead children and erased immune systems and fucking lockdowns for measles shit. It is bad news. So if you are out there and for whatever reason you haven't been able to get your kid vaccinated, uh, my kids kind of came up through COVID and I am, obviously, if you've listened to this show, uh, I love the fact that we live at a time with vaccines and I get my kids every single one that I can because shot is better than getting sick in my fucking weird ass opinion. Uh, so if you haven't been able to get that because you've been scared to go to the hospital, I read you. I get it. It's worth it. Get that measles vaccine. Your kids will thank you when they either survive or don't lose the immunity they've gotten to every single disease they've ever had in their life. They won't. They won't thank you for that. Don't. <laughs> like, really, Bobby? Will you, will you, how many times have your kids think, like, uh, hey, uh, we're going to go take a measles vaccine? And your kid's like, oh, thanks, Dad. You're the best dad. Uh, how many times that happened? Well, trick is this. I actually refer to uh, the Chuck E. Cheese restaurant as the measles vaccine. And so I go like, hey, we're going to go get we're going to go to the measles vaccine. And they're like, yeah, let's go. All right. And then I just build that up. And then every once in a while, I'll take them to the doctor for the shot just for the actual measles vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. So they're crying because you ru ruined their trust and they got a shot. Well, that and uh, well, I don't know, maybe we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese later. But at least when they're talking to the other kids in the playground, they'll be like, I got the measles vaccine. It was awesome, man. There was a huge rat and pizza. It was great. I thought you were going to have like the, the uh, like a, like a, like a, you start a chain of Chuck E. Cheese's, but the doctors are, but the mouse is actually a doctor 
And yeah, they deliver pizza to tables and everything, but they also administer <laughs> medication and vaccines. I know, it's it's just an animatronic. It's the animatronic rat, but it's got a syringe, and you just stand in the exact right place while they're playing the, the Jumbery theme song, and it comes down and nails you with the needle. <laughs> well, that robot is technically licensed, is a technically a doctor uh, in American Samoa or something. Oh, dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 683, where you learned all about the Homo Naledi controversy and how measles is making its comeback. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 684. Kids are asleep and tucked in. Time to watch some Netflix after dark. (laughs) I'd like to get into her cave of bones. You've been listening to Science Faction. That's not right.